0: we've got some fresh new young talent doing some things that i know you haven't heard before One, two,
1: three. listen
2: you got to have a like the why and so we know our why so I th-
1: you don't need to reinvent the wheel yep. millions and millions of people have done this already you can get help you can get a roadmap you can save a lot of time money and frustration welcome to the value add podcast with k and k Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Value Add Podcast with K&K. Today, we have our good friend Jason Scally on the show. Jason is the CEO and founder of Oakwood Escrow. And like I said, he's just really become, him and his wife, uh, really good friends of ours over the years too. So Jason, thanks for coming in.
0: Thank you for having me. Thanks, Jay. This is fun. How's it going? Uh, really
2: well. Cool. Thank you. Um, so Jay, we were talking yesterday, but always everybody comes on here, we're always like, how do we meet everybody? Um. So if I remember the story, we had an office in Mission Hills, San Diego, right. and I think I had my little rinky-dink sign out there. I had the, I'd i write the rates, and then I'd put the APRs. Okay, there's and, still
1: a sign I'm on that. No, yeah. not that yeah. one. The, yeah. the little the,
2: A-frame yeah, sign yeah. on yeah. the ground. Yeah. And I think Jason's like, oh, is there a lender in here? And you came moseying yeah. in, and then um, we ended up just starting to work title together. And uh, If I'm
0: not mistaken, that sign brought in a lot of
1: mm-hmm. walk-in
2: business. No, programs. it did. It actually it worked. Did. It yeah. actually little, worked. little tiny sign yeah it was sixty nine it was seventy five bucks to do and I'd go out there every day change the rate and right. put it out there write the rates on it. um and then i you came up and then we just started working together and then um gosh I think there's just it's that's was that what year was that two thousand ten
1: it was i think
0: yeah, 9 or
2: 10. 9 or yeah. 10,
1: yeah. Because Kenny Crazy. and I met in the beginning of 2000 – well, end of 2008, early 2009, and then we got our office. So it had to have been probably 2009. Ten or 10, yeah, right there. you guys yeah. had just
0: moved in. You were still getting the phones worked out. Yeah. So it, was, it was literally <laughs> – Desks set up. Yeah, it was
2: 2009. We literally, like, just came from working out of the one-bedroom apartment in Encinitas by the animal yeah. shelter, as you always say. Um, and then, Yeah. And I think um, to kind of start this off, Jay, if you can kind of, I mean, I know obviously a little about your career, and sometimes obviously when we get people on here, we get more in detail. But if you can kind of tell us about like, just like your career, I know before title you were a cop or a sheriff, which is just kind of crazy, and then you did title, and now it's escrow. Can you kind of just quickly
0: kind of go through how you landed here? Of course. So I'll go all the way back. I uh, went to St. Mary's High School up in Moraga near uh, San Francisco, Berkeley area kind of became interested in law enforcement there. I worked for a department called Moraga PD for nights and weekends, four days a week. Uh, then that kind of got me interested in law enforcement. and I thought that was the direction I wanted to go. Majored in poli sci and uh, minor in history. Uh, graduated, came down to San Diego and, and right onto the San Diego Police Department um, where I spent the majority of my uh, law enforcement career with them. Uh, then Erin, actually my wife, was working for a staffing company, and they staffed for all of the title companies at the time. This was when the housing boom was going. Big. So what year? Probably like right now? Thousands. What year? That was probably two thousand. Yeah, early two thousands. Two thousand one. Yeah. Okay. Three. So so right after like nine eleven and things started kicking. Right. Up. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I was still a, I was still a cop at that time and or a police officer and we I'd go to all of her after work events with her that you know involved like. Networking with the clients or social events with the the different management groups that would use her staffing agency to place escrow officers and things of that nature. So that was my first introduction. Outside of that, I had no knowledge of title and escrow and and that whole the the real estate world really. Um, then one day they asked me if I'd be willing to make the move over to work for them. Uh, a couple of the people I met in the management side uh, we really connected, and they made me an offer. And it was right about that time where. Uh, The department was going through, the city was going through a lot of changes, and I decided it might be something I'd be interested in. And so I made the move from law enforcement into title.
2: That's crazy.
1: Wow, yeah. That's just like a. It's just not like very often that you hear somebody making a move like that.
0: It it was definitely not without its scary moments. (laughs) For sure. Anything you do that's new, right? Especially into this industry. I mean, this Uh, industry is is something that, unless you're really in it, you don't understand the intricate workings. And how different, and just different from one location to the to different location. Uh, San Diego, L.A., Orange County, Riverside, all have their own little microclimates. It's very different. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I
2: agree with that. And then, um, so then you went to Title, and then how did um, like just how you know how did Oakwood come apart? I mean, I
0: kind of know the story, but how did it like officially, officially just start? Well, I was fortunate when I first started in Title. I was working for a company called Land America, who okay. Uh, Ultimately, in the, in the crash of 2008, had to fold up and, and sold the majority of their off uh, title companies, uh, lawyers, Commonwealth, uh, to Fidelity. Um, but at, when I first started with them, I was on the developer services side, so I worked with developers throughout California and New Mexico and a couple of other states. But it gave me the ability to stay in the office and really connect with the team that was doing the work. So I wasn't going into offices, and and like a lot of title reps do on the residential side, their job, they have to be in the offices connecting with the real estate agents. My clients were behind a desk in their office and didn't want me in their office, so my time was spent making sure that their deals were going through and the problems weren't happening, but in our office.
1: And developer services, too, is more work. You don't just pull a prelim. I mean, you got a lot more kind of like, paperwork that you have to do in order. Yeah. So they want you to do that instead of like taking them for coffee or doing, you know, giving them box seats or whatever it is. You're covering their butt. You're you're making sure that
0: the the mapping's getting done, that the DRE work's being accomplished, that they get their white paper, their pink. uh, These are all different phases of, of their development. And, and then obviously they, they have a lot of needs for, um, uh, introductions because they're behind their desks so much, they're not getting out to networking events. So, one of my roles was making sure I was able to connect them with uh, you know, financing of the right people and oh, cool. kind of help them in uh, their development of business. But being in the office so much gave me a real insight as to what the escrow officers were going through and the title officers um, from the, the back end. And so, that connection really kind of got me interested in escrow specifically because escrow in California is kind of, I call it the sheriff of the transaction. Their role is to make sure that that contract and that everything that the two parties have agreed to when we receive that contract is fulfilled. And it's their job to stop the transaction if it doesn't, if if somebody doesn't do what they're supposed to do. And so that really interested me. Uh, So that was kind of what brought me to the escrow standpoint. And then I uh, had the opportunity uh, to open up uh, an escrow company with some guidance that I had received, and I jumped at it. And that was in 2012. We opened up in okay. Rancho Bernardo, our yep. first office. Mm-hmm. Uh, we opened up with three employees and myself. I remember that
1: office. Yeah,
0: and it was um, it was very exciting. It was my first kind of endeavor into um, starting something myself. And we opened up and uh, grew to 100 employees, five locations, <sighs> um, and uh, just have had a lot of fun with.
1: Them. When did you? When did Oakwood start? Like when? When
0: June 2012.
1: June 2012. Wow. So from 2012, seven to year today, anniversary coming up. Yep, coming yeah, seven up. year anniversary, and you have five locations, five locations, and over 100 employees.
0: Uh, it fluctuates. Yeah, obviously, fluctuates due just, to the market. Right, and, for and sure. Market conditions. But that's
1: like pretty fast growth. I mean, that's insane.
0: It was. It was a very fast, yeah, growth trajectory. Yeah. yeah which comes with some problems but also always a lot of
1: does fun. but they say what do they, I know they say more money more problems i think the, the more you grow your business again your revenues are up and that means that you're going to have more issues so um it's funny somebody told me one time and uh, i think it's true is that we have to kind of look at it as like being honored to take on those challenges because it means you're absolutely. doing something right, you know? That's
0: absolutely the case. Yeah. yeah. Each each one is a learning experience. For sure. Like you, I really try not to judge either any problems as good or bad because you don't know where they're going to lead you. And right. Until you until you have that full story, you can't judge it as, as good or bad.
1: Yeah. And if nothing else, it's like a huge learning experience. Oh, but nice. you're right. Usually out of those issues come opportunities, right?
0: Things you didn't even see coming. Yeah. And, or changes that you have to make because of that then yeah. lead towards... Uh, positive.
1: Yeah. So, what was true. your vision too for Oakwood? Like, did you ever imagine that you were going to grow this quickly or have the success? Like, was that part of your plan when you started?
0: Growth was part of my plan. Um, but I didn't realize that we'd have such success at it. And that really is a testament to our team and the culture that we've created. Um, and that started with really our first three employees. And then everybody we've added to the team since then, we've been, we're very, Very cautious about adding new people because each person brings a new dynamic, a new set of ideas. Mm -hmm. And so we're very cautious about who we bring on to the team. But we've – fortunately, we've been able to bring the right people on that have helped us really be able to grow. Otherwise, we would never have been able to do what we've
1: done. And how did you find like the right people? I mean I've heard a lot about it, but I think it's really – tough
2: in this industry as you know. Yeah, But yeah. also you took a really, part of the industry.
1: I would say, more aggressive and kind of a different path. Like you weren't just posting ads in, no, I didn't on post Indeed same, or wherever.
0: Yeah. yeah, Nothing like that. Yeah. Every single person that works at Oakwood I've met with um, and I've personally hired. So that's what it comes down to is I mm-hmm. meet with them and I just listen and we talk. And
2: it, Sometimes it takes time. It's a relationship.
0: And I know a lot of the people. This is a relatively small industry even though there's a lot of people in it. We all – if you take the time you get to know each other through mm-hmm. different organizational events through lunches for unrelated not employment type meetings at all but you start to get to know people and as you get to know them you start to realize that could be somebody that would be a perfect fit on our team and when that time comes and the ability on the team uh, exists that's when i would reach out and say hey have you ever thought about maybe oakwood and so you
1: take a lot of time to invest in those relationships before you even think about bringing somebody on. It's key, yeah. And then
0: once you kind of, and then it's like anything. Once it starts rolling, then you have uh, the teams making suggestions, and yeah. and people are coming to you. So we have a lot of team members that have brought people on with them that uh, have worked out really well. As do you guys?
2: Um, I mean, obviously, like I I know you, so I'm not I'm saying this unbiased, but it's like if if it's funny cuz a couple things about you to compliment you if i talk to people at oakwood and you're not in the room it's like i don't know if anybody would say anything bad about you which is i've always told you you're um everybody said you're awesome to work for like a lot of people are very loyal to you because of you not oakwood um but my thing is 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 there you guys grew so fast. You've obviously taken a lot of market share, which obviously can piss some people off and obviously get some attention in both. And for you, you're like, it is what it is. But I, and I think some now – now I think people – you know when you're doing a good job when people are trying to copy you in a way.
0: I always think as a compliment.
2: Yeah, I think that is. Um do you guys have like – you know what makes you different or is there like a secret sauce or why do you think you've been able to grow this fast, get all these people and then obviously retain them? Because right now I know just even in my industry, loan officers, they're getting picked off or moving all over the place and I think they're not happy or they're getting offered here. and A lot of them go for the wrong reasons because of money. But what do you think is like, like your secret sauce or why people are there and you guys are this successful?
0: I think well, it's a two-part answer. So hard work is the reason for the growth uh, and the reason why we've been able to achieve what we've achieved and the name we've achieved. So it's not just about getting to a certain point. It's about getting there with a reputation that you want, which is we do good work. Our clients appreciate the work we do, and we always have the best interest of them in mind when we're doing it. We want to make sure that they understand that and they feel that, not just that we're telling them that. So that's, that's hard work. That's Mm. where that comes in. And that's, that's the secret sauce is hard work on that front okay the culture i think it's just about all of us treating each other with respect so the main thing in the office that's where always has problems we're the ones even if it's not our problem we're the ones (laughs) ones. (laughs) yeah yeah. it's on your plate it's on our plate to deliver the news and so that's stressful very very so it's a stressful industry and if you're in an office with 20 people and everybody's having a little bit of a different stress going on at that moment little things can can matter um and irritations can occur the way we've avoided them or, or have uh, managed to to avoid them on a large scale is that we respect each other and that's the biggest part to earn that respect means that you have to put in on that hard work yeah and if the team sees you putting in that hard work that respect level's there and so we treat each other with respect we care about each other it's less of a uh job to us i mean it's a, a job but we're a family we really think of ourselves as a family uh Which comes good and bad, but – because it's still a company and we still have to Families have problems too. Families have (laughs) problems. (laughs) (laughs) That's true, yeah. yeah. But we really are. We care about one another and we respect one another and that is earned. And I'd say just about all of us, we've earned that respect. And that goes for me as well. I've earned that respect with the team.
2: Yeah, because I know for sure. I mean obviously we're friends and we talk, but – you definitely have worked really hard to get to this point. That's for sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't think people even understand um, how hard you work. But I know the late nights, it's not just one. It's not just two. It's been years of late nights yeah. and the planning and the paperwork and the audits and all I the things. Paperwork. All the things, but paperwork. Do you think that escrow, when you just said it's like hard or you get thrown at it, do you think it's because you're dealing with the money part?
0: certainly and that's become more of an issue so when we first started uh, wire fraud wasn't it is it wasn't what it is today um it wasn't even a, a thing then uh, so the money part has become a much more uh, stressful part of the business um I don't know, What was the question? Again? No, it's <laughs> no, no, it
2: more thinking. like, do you think money, because you guys, oh, sometimes right. you so guys like get, one the, of the most you get the blame things. or this, but do yeah. you think it's because you're handling money? Because let's be honest, money is probably the most, some no. of the most important things. That, in that's the a good
0: question. I think the... And I've thought a lot about this because I'm always trying to improve the escrow process. I think the biggest stress comes that nobody truly understands what escrow does. And yeah. one of our You're just like the middleman for middle most people. Guy. So, <laughs> yeah. what? what, what so let's just talk about what the what the
2: heck is? If I'm a consumer and I get my closing statement, or just a, for me, and they go, "What is this? Type, what is this escrow? For you? Like, what, right. why am I paying this? And what what exactly are they getting? And
0: why do they need escrow?" So, escrow does basically we get the contract. So. You, Buyer and seller agree upon their terms for a sale. Of, we'll just use a residential property as an okay. example. They agree that they're going to sell the house. This person's going to buy the house. They want these certain things met. They want uh, inspections done. They want they list out all of their terms, their price, everything. If they're receiving financing, if they're not receiving financing, every point in that contract matters. And they usually use the standard car contract, and I'm sure you've seen them. They're yeah. pretty mm-hmm. lengthy. Yeah. There's a lot of points in those contracts. Yes. Our job is to make sure that all those points are – met uh, by both sides sides. too because you've
1: had sellers like imagine if there was no escrow and sellers buyers had to give the sellers money before it was even or they didn't have to or they the buyers held on to the money that's the thing for me i'm like
0: spent the deposit oh my gosh can you imagine
1: what it would be like it would be mayhem
0: mayhem yeah it and then we have to facilitate all of those different points with different agencies. Mm-hmm. So we have to work with the lenders. And sometimes we'll have multiple lenders you know, come in and out if they're not a good lender. Yeah. And, and then we have to deal with new are lenders. Or they couldn't close
2: and another one's got to come in. Yeah. And then
0: that lender has their requirements that we have to, to meet. That's so right. if they're obtaining a loan, we have to look at what their instructions are. And we have to make sure that... The, the buyer is complying with all of those points, like certain money can't just come in or out of the escrow unless the lender agrees to it. So there's a lot of points and terms and facilitation. So we're dealing with the inspection companies. We're dealing with the buyer's agent, the seller's agent, the buyer and the seller. Title. Title. We're dealing with the lender. We're dealing with family members sometimes who are helping somebody buy a home or- Insurance. Or insurance. You could deal with an appraiser if they need to get paid through escrow, right? Uh, we don't deal too much with okay. the appraisers, but- uh, That is always an issue if it doesn't appraise and then it falls out of escrow. Um, But there's just so many different components to it, and we're the ones that keep all of them together and, and manage them, that when one of the components falls apart through no fault of escrow or any control, I should say, of escrow, we're the ones who have to call the parties and let them know that we have a problem.
1: Mm -hmm. And then you kind of you guys kind of are a referee sometimes when contingency periods maybe aren't met and, you know, emotions get mixed in there and, you know, it gets thrown on them. They're
2: like, why are you calling escrow? Like, like you're like, guys, I'm now I'm all sudden Dr. Phil or the counselor.
0: Part of that – so what we're trying to do is we're trying to educate the consumers more. That's been Oakwood's big push this last year um, is to get the consumers more involved with the escrow process so that their frustrations can be lessened. Because if they don't know who's controlling what or what our role is and we're just giving them bad news, yeah, then every little problem can become a big problem. Yeah. So, but if we have that open communication when times are good, and we explain what the process is, and they better understand the process, and that's really what we're trying to move towards and, and focus on, and I think our industry as a whole eventually needs to start to get there because consumers are becoming more and more aware about the process in real estate with Zillow, Redfin, all the different accesses they have now that they didn't have ten years ago. Mm-hmm. It's really starting to change the marketplace. And so absolutely, I, I'm seeing consumers ask questions that they're obviously researching. Um, and know to ask, and I'm I'm thrilled about that. And so that's kind of our new push.
2: Yeah, and I mean, um, it's kind of funny because we all sit at the same table, and you know, for people that don't know, we don't get paid unless the transaction closes. Yes. So I could work hard, you could work hard, you could work hard. If the transaction blows up on day thirty or sixty or whatever, we don't get paid. It's over. If the appraiser goes <laughs> out, they get paid, or yep. the inspector, things like that. We're yep. the last kind of people that it's like. If it doesn't yeah, the appraiser
1: work. still gets paid if the property doesn't appraise. No, even <laughs> you know, if the inspector and, goes out, they're paying yeah. the inspector. Yeah, the inspector has to get still gets paid yeah. if the deal doesn't go through. You know.
2: What do you yeah. like? What is one thing? um Because you talked about education, I totally agree. Like Crystal and I keep saying this: all the marketing and stuff. We're watching these people. The new marketing is called educating. Mm-hmm. It's not like, hey, I've got the best rate. People are like. It's more like I got a good rate, but let me explain the process of getting a loan or a commercial loan or escrow and things like that. What do you think is one of the big um, misconceptions of escrow that you probably hear all the time, maybe from a consumer or anybody, where it's like you hear something you're like, how do people get this information? It's totally incorrect. I don't know if there is
0: one out there. You know, I I don't. Know of one off the top of my head, and but that lends towards the point that they just don't even understand the process at all.
2: Maybe uh, that's what it is. They
0: just don't understand the process. That's it. Mis- so we recently did a uh, we called it ex- escrow exposed, where we went. We had a couple of our um, sales team members go out onto the street and interview people and just ask them what is escrow. So oh cool. my gosh, homeowners that, have, love that. that own a home that have been through escrow, yeah. and the um, the responses we got were amazing. It really it really showed me that they, they don't. And they've been through it. These are people that own homes. Did you homes. guys,
1: like, publish this somewhere? We
0: did. Well, we videotaped it, and I think yeah. it might be on our website or, That's or uh, Facebook. It's right. a good I'm idea. Like, I need to see this. Yeah. It's funny some of the answers we got. Um, but this is where their money is being held. This is where um, – this is the, the main part of the transaction once you get past the contract stage. So for them not to understand what it is, it, it kind of woke me up that we have to really start to educate people more.
1: Wow, that's interesting. Yeah.
0: Um,
2: what do you so? What do you think? I'm trying to think. What is probably the most difficult part of the transaction in escrow? You know, like what, what do you what do you guys probably struggle with the most when somebody's going when somebody's going through? maybe on your side that people know what is probably one of the most difficult parts of escrow on your side that you guys
0: have to deal with that a consumer probably has no clue about. I'd say all the moving parts. So, for example, just before I came in here today, uh, we just found out we're closing – we're supposed to close in a couple of days on a property, and the, the seller just went on a vacation to China. And that's not good, <laughs> not if we're still going to try to keep our close date, uh, which they've agreed to. Um, so, little issues like that—like figure
1: up. out how to get my docs to the embassy. Yeah, yeah. which
0: was exactly what we have to do. And yeah. then,
1: good luck trying to get an appointment because Quickly. that's not always easy either. No. Exactly. And then that's trying the- to
0: find the embassy in the province of China that they're in. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that research, yeah. That brings oh. on a whole nother. Oh yeah. Sorry, figure it out, right? <laughs> um, so, so big things. But I would also say um, the amount of fraud that's occurring right now. Yeah. Is a, a that's huge the biggest struggle. Yeah biggest struggle currently to our industry we 've got to educate the consumers not to accept uh, wiring instructions via email because what these hackers are doing is they're they 're getting into somebody 's account now Oakwood has taken huge lengths to to protect we do quarterly penetration tests of our system we have two way authentication to log in we get notified if anybody even attempts to do a breach we the quarterly breach um, tests that we do is we hire professionals to try to break into our system every quarter and they expose our weaknesses We take those weaknesses if they find any they haven 't found any for the Last uh, two go rounds, but when they do, it could be a systems upgrade for Windows or Microsoft. That it could be little things we just little don't think things about. that we don't even think about. But that come about because somebody's learned to exploit it or, or has found something wow. that doesn't work. That is that is so crucial to make sure you stay on top of. But then the hackers, because they can't get into our system, they've started going after real estate agents. Who, if you think about it, they put all of their information out because that's their job. They they have to advertise this property they it's public record of who owns it. They're able to find who owns it. They're able to find these agents easily. Their emails are all over the place. They're hacking into systems, and then they're just sitting there, and they're waiting. And this can be an email that the buyer, seller, or the agent receives that's just they, – they click on something accidentally. They think it's nothing. Nothing happens right away. Uh, But now the hacker's in their system, and he sits in their email system and just watches all the emails coming from escrow, title, the lender, the agents. And when it's getting ready to close, that's when they strike. They'll do a spoofing attempt, which is where they make it look like it's coming from the lender, the title company, one of the agents or the escrow company. And it's as easy as going into a system and just typing in whatever you want the person to see, and that's who it looks like it's coming from. It's literally that simple. They then send it to him with wiring instructions that aren't, the title or escrow company's wire instructions.
1: Now, like if somebody changes their email password, is that something that could like kick them out, or no, is it?
0: They're they're use
2: like he said they're mm-hmm. they're they're doing a like they could say. Like they're but in say, your computer your and they're emails, not just Jason. Jason Scali at Oakwood Escrow. He'll put two D's on the end of Oakwood. You just didn't
0: see it in the email. From no, 10. no, that, that is one thing that okay, they, they do that, they do, right? do okay. that. But the spoofing is where they'll actually. So if you go into, I believe it. Let's just use um, Microsoft because it's pretty common. Yeah. Um, you you go into Outlook and you can actually put what you want the recipient of your email to see. It, it, it's not really your real email address. So what we have to do is we pull headers. And it's called, and that gives us the real email address, not what they want us to see. But a lot of uh, the consumers and agents, and if you're not savvy to this, you don't know to look for that. And you see an email and it looks like it's from the right person and it's got all the right points and they know about the transaction, they know how much money you're supposed to send. You don't think that it's fraudulent. Um, but people are losing large, their entire life savings on this all over the country right now. It's unbelievable how rampant it's become. Wow, that's crazy. Um,
2: that's lovely, construction next yeah. So, to describe this, just so because I know we went through it to so people are listening, so basically, it's like I'm gonna buy a house mm-hmm. and I'm buying it from Crystal, and then I'm gonna wire the money to your company, right? What somebody's gonna do is somebody might intersect the wire, like, you basically tell me when it's supposed to come to basically say, Hey you got to send it to this account. So I take my hundred grand. that's supposed to be a down payment, an escrow, whatever. It was supposed to go to Jason at Oakwood, but it ends up in China. Exactly. That's what you're saying. Is, yeah. And it's gone. It's,
0: I'm, I'm in trouble. We have a very small window of hours to try to stop that wire if we know about it. The problem is, is that they don't reala- realize it until maybe a day later or two days later. And at that point, there's nothing that anybody can do about it. They'll get into that email account. They'll send you a fake email with their wiring instructions. Um, and, yeah, that's exactly it. Then you, you send it, you think it.
1: everything's done. Right. And so since you don't even know that you're supposed to be looking for something within a few hours or whatever the time right. frame is, and then before you know it, it's gone.
0: So what Oakwood's doing to combat that right now is every escrow that we open, we call the, the buyer and the seller, and we, we, we scare them within reason. We let them know about what's it's going I mean – We let them yeah. know we will never, ever – Ever email you? Ever, ever, email, ever, ever, ever email yeah. you wiring instructions? Ever if you receive an email, even if it's from your lender saying it's from us, your title company saying, don't accept it. Call any us
2: any escrow? If you're listening, if you receive wiring instructions from any escrow via email, if you do, you should pick up At the least phone, call, and verify call, call the doing. escrow, yes. spend yeah. five minutes, and say, "Is this your wire information? Correct, a hundred percent. Not do 100%. it.
0: You because you don't think you can. Jason knows people that lost a lot of money." And some of the cases through the um, the association that i 'm seeing uh, the esc- it 's not even the escrow off the company 's name on the the wire information it 's somebody's individual name, but consumers don 't know enough to to look for those little things and so they just it's crazy. It's, it is crazy, but it 's happening daily
1: you know my bank is doing something now, and i don 't know who um, has had this before, but my bank will now, if I add a new wire recipient mm-hmm. They literally call me and say, Do you know this person? Have you yeah. done business with this person before? So they've been interrogating me on my wires too. Like, what's because the purpose? Of this, huh? Yeah. So the they're course. really trying to combat it on their end too. But you never know. I mean, these things do slip through the cracks, but that's, and we've had. Fraud on our accounts too, just because being in real estate and all of that. So we've had multiple instances where we've had to change accounts. So now I think I'm on the like high, you know, like risk. Yeah, insane. risk list. So they they do that for us too, and it's like I'm so glad that they do because, like you said, it's absolutely you never know.
0: And then with uh, do you know
2: how much money has been stolen
0: across uh, the country? Have to take a look, but it's gone up. It also releases them it's, from some it's, it's, liability. It's a, it's a massive yeah. number, though. right? Oh, it's a massive number. And if you look at what it was three years ago, to, compared you to think what it like is today, it's a year
2: gone. hundreds of millions.
0: Like, like millions? it's like exponentially. So oh, it could absolutely. be a billion dollars yeah. a year. But uh, we could probably even Google it right now. But yeah, it's hundreds of millions. Monty's going to Google it, so yes, we'll know. What's something that you guys are doing?
2: I know that's a negative. That you have to deal with, but you have to. And we if somebody to. is not, if if, an, if you're working with an escrow company, they just send that out. That's a red flag because that they're not taking this very seriously. Yeah, like, I'd
0: be shocked if any escrow company in today's day and age is sending out wiring instructions via email. If they are, they it'd be better for them to stop. Yeah, for the for everybody's sake. Yeah.
1: Well, and they're like taking a lot of risk on themselves too, because when that money is lost, the escrow really takes on the risk for losing that money since they, they you're. Do. Yeah.
0: Yeah, they do. Um,
2: yeah. What is something you guys are doing, or what's something in the escrow industry that's changing, or you guys are doing to change industry to make it like? Because obviously we talk about the time, crystals industry ours is changing, but we're kind of in some parts of real estate is really changing, and some parts it's like just so old fashioned. What
0: is something you're probably doing to like make it, you know, technology or whatever? So really, technology is is it, it, it's affecting all industries, probably um, more so on the real estate agent front, the selling side. But our side, the settlement side, title and escrow, we have to keep up with that because things are speeding up. The speed of emails has changed things dramatically for (laughs) Mm -hmm. us. People email, text, uh, it's quick, but they want a quick response back. But when you're getting hundreds of them and then you're also dealing with you know, waiting on the phone for a tax lien with the IRS, which is not fun right An now. An hour, yeah. At least. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is what one of the things we have to do, because if the seller has a tax lien, we have to get that it, cleared. Um, that's part of the conditions of the contract. So we might be on the phone with them while we're getting texts and emails. So our technology, the software that's used in the settlement industry really has to get with it. Okay. That has to be our next big push. And there's a couple of indes- uh, companies that are really making that push right now that I'm excited about, because I think they'll... Uh, they're doing, they're going to do good for the industry. It kind of well,
1: needs it though, because don't you feel like so many other industries now, like with tech, like it's been so popular, but mm-hmm. it's it's like real estate has been that like thousand pound giant yeah. that nobody I mean,
2: lending, really like, to, you know, for search yeah. of homes and lending and stuff, they're, you know, they're for, but, you know, look at, look at
0: commercial. You guys yeah, are on like, the commercial
1: side, we don't have any technology. What'd for you, you find, Lonzie? So between December 2016 and May 2018, there was. Uh, twelve point fifty three
0: billion dollars. Yeah, it's and can you look to see what it was in two thousand, say twelve? As it say,
2: twelve, 12 billion. Thirty six increase
0: percent. One hundred and thirty six. Twelve
2: increase. billion dollars. Yeah, it's rude. and one hundred and thirty six percent increase. And and, so and Jason, time. I know you've met with so I don't know FBI or whoever. Like, they're, yeah, like, yes. they're like they're no. like you're never yeah. you're you're never probably going to see the money again. So, if, it, if it's gone in a couple of days, it's gone.
0: it's fortunate oakwood has a a good relationship with with a couple of people in law enforcement and we've worked closely with them on this and actually san diego is one of the hubs for um for this yeah Um, but there's very little that can be done once it's out of the country and that's the problem that we're facing is that it gets out of the country so quickly that we don't have the ability to do anything about it Mm -hmm. other than report it keep record of it and it becomes a statistic unfortunately that's crazy um so one of the things I wanted to talk about too today,
2: um, is you you know, it's kinda of like our industry, but you're even more you guys you kinda of have your pulse to the market because one of the things we always ask in our industry, you're like, if you want to know how the market is, you don't have to look at the market. Just call a title rep or an escrow officer and go, Hey, are you you know, we call Cameron are your orders or up or down money? or what's going on? And you guys you guys know. You, are like, yeah, you, you don't like you don't even news. have to listen to the news. You're like, look, I know what's going on, like real
0: time. Um that's just by people closing and orders being open and stuff. That's the the volume, yeah. The openings, closings, cancellation rates, things of that nature. It also tells us we know a lot of where the buyers' mentality is and the sellers' mentality. Yeah, it's just based upon what we're, we're the feedback we're getting and the cancellations we're seeing and and uh, the unwillingness sometimes of of bending on certain things when inspections come back. And
1: yeah,
2: so like from your point of view, that you know le- that high level that you're seeing all this stuff. I mean, I don't know if I say where do you think the market is, but we don't have to sit like, here and what guess. what are you like, seeing? What are you seeing yeah. that you're, like, within those little sectors you're seeing? And then
0: maybe we can, you know, go into what that really means in the market. So 2018 was a, as a, a very interesting year. 17 was a wonderful year for, for the San Diego. And I'll speak yeah. specific to San Diego. Yeah. Southern California can kind of be wrapped up into that, but I'll speak specific to San Diego. Wonderful. 2017 was one of probably our top year um, for Revenue for prices of homes. Meant you were doing around. a lot of
1: transactions. A lot of
0: transactions. Great year to be in real estate. Good Overall, year to be yeah. in real estate. Okay. 18 changed a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I say a little bit dramatically, so 2018 had good weeks followed by bad weeks, is what I was calling it. Because we'd have uh, a week with high openings, followed by the next week with very, very low openings and high cancellation rates. And that just followed the trend the entire year, even during our second and our third quarter. So in real estate, you have your first quarter, second, third, and fourth. In the settlement industry, it's the second and the third that's really your your ability to. You know, spring summer. Yeah, that what it is. You store up for the winter, and yeah, uh, when the fourth quarter comes, hopefully you had a good third and fourth to, or second and third to get you through, and then the first 2018, we saw such a slowdown in the fourth market, fourth quarter, and then led into January that it was scary. It was some reports on the County Recorder December had lower recording numbers than in 2008. And that was, if you remember, the financial crisis period of time. It didn't affect the whole world, and it wasn't in all segments of marketplaces. But certainly, our marketplace was affected. In February, I saw a turnaround. So, starting the end of January, we saw prices starting to come down. So, what? Going back real quick to why I think that we had that stall, yeah, was because the prices were high. The the home prices were were increasing every month. They kept increasing. Interest rates, if you remember, started going up. Mm -hmm. The feds were raising those rates. Uh, There was a lot of question about what was going on in the marketplace, a lot of obviously political turmoil. And I think all of that just lent towards people being less likely to make exceptions. And sellers, for the most part, are in good loans and have nice interest rates right now. So their need to sell isn't as great. So we saw a lot of unwillingness on both sides to compromise, to come to an actual deal, So which also led to the high cancellation rate. So after an inspection, they found termite or they found they needed to replace the pool, plastering, or or what have you. And then that led towards the deal falling apart because the buyer or seller weren't willing to come up with... Couldn't come to an agreement. Couldn't come to a new agreement. Yeah, don't you
1: think, too, because like one of the things that we noticed last year was sellers were looking at the previous... like the appreciation leading up to that point. Mm -hmm. And so they were just kind of thinking logically, if they were to apply that appreciation to what they wanted to sell their house for, the house would be worth X. And you're like, no, because we're not having that level of appreciation right now. Like you said, rates are going up. But sellers didn't really want to listen. And then like you said, when they felt like they would have to make a price adjustment, they just said like, I'm not going to sell the property then.
0: And and one of the things that I always uh, go back to is – if. If the home was updated every year with the amount of maintenance that needed to be done, then yes, it could be worth that. But if you've taken ten years and haven't maintained the home and haven't done upgrades on the kitchen or the bathroom and things mm-hmm. like that, it, it it might not be worth what Zillow's telling you it is, or or the increases in the interest, you know, the rates. Yeah,
2: might. I think people are chasing like we. I call it chasing appreciation because I think in seventeen. There's a lot of great sales in a neighborhood, mm-hmm. and then going into 18, it slowed down. So they're like, "Well, you know, from here to here, it's Zillow says the appreciation or this report right. said went up 10 percent. So this sold for yeah. 750, so I'm going to sell for 800 yes. because we're appreciating. Really, you're like, but you're not getting offers and there's no sales. So everybody Absolutely. was just pushing well, it. up. Everyone's
1: looking at the history; they're not looking at the future too. Right. So,
2: and I think right. when we say yeah. right, it was, I think it was. Um, uh, who was it, the economist guy that um, – I'm drawing a blank, the real estate coach. You know I'm talking about. Um, that's a big real estate coach, Tom Ferry. Oh, he. Yeah. They used some economist guy they all use, and he was saying, look, when I say prices came down, I'm not saying we're going in the negative. He said oh, we oh, had great appreciation, but we're seeing a pullback from this is not reality to like a right. more of a reality. And I think people have to swallow and accept and go – Okay, so do I really want to sell my house for seven fifty? Because I w- I would have sold at eight hundred, but it
0: wasn't. It's not worth it now,
2: and that's the problem I think. Yeah, we're, we're not
0: seeing huge drops, but we're seeing realistic drops to, yeah. to bring the buyers to the table. And the buyers, with the interest rate drops that have occurred, are agreeing. So February is actually was a very good month. Uh, March is looking like it's going to be a good month. And I'm speaking to a volume standpoint. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So from a volume standpoint, we're seeing increases. People
1: are doing transactions again. People are
0: doing transactions again.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what we're seeing too. It was really interesting because in Kenny and I, well, since we had the baby, like normally we'd be traveling in January, but we were home this year. So it was just crazy though. I felt like, the entire industry was on vacation or skiing or doing something. <laughs> it it was like crazy. It Nobody yep. was working, I know. which again, we've just been talking to uh, talking about that as like a sign that everybody's feeling pretty good right now. Cause people who didn't used to take those vacations are definitely gone a lot yeah. more. I
2: always look, cause I have something to look back on now. I can go back to the last cycle and just human behavior and right before things corrected or and obviously the corrections i'm in my opinion wouldn't be the same because last cycle was so many bad loans and all these problems it was very easy to say we're gonna okay. have we have a crisis on our hands this one will be a little different but people are like they're just you know they're just having fun and their their gas tanks happy and full and you know they're just cruising along and i think I don't know if some people are still working hard. I think some people are – like they
0: have some savings, so they're not like, oh, i got to get out and work hard. I don't know if that's part of it too, you know? It like, very well could be. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I agree. There's definitely – there's a big difference from 2008 and, and the. we – Oh,
2: people years. are stressed out of their mind yeah. and I got to – you know. Um, last question um, for like the escrow part and I want to kind of go into the entrepreneur part. Um, What do you probably see in the next two to three years that's probably going to change? Do you see anything significant changing in your
0: industry, probably technology or – I, I think uh, certainly the software that that settlement companies use to process you know people's paperwork and and deal with all of the incoming information that has that's going to be a big change mm-hmm. on the horizon. I also believe that the consumer awareness of what's going on and their involvement in the settlement process is going to increase just because their knowledge is increasing already. Um, I also see a play on the technology front to tie into a lot of the online things that are occurring with Zillow, Redfin, and companies like that, Keller Williams, uh, all building platforms where a lot of the real estate transaction will occur uh, through technology. We have to be able to meet and match that and be able to accept Mm -hmm. it through technology instead of saying, okay, you did all your technology on that side, but now you got to convert back to paper and pencil and Come on in. You got to be able to plug <laughs> yeah. in. You got to be you able to plug be in the able system. In. Yeah. Okay. It's got to integrate. If it doesn't integrate, then our industry is going to have a problem.
1: Do you see, too, just like a lot of the day to day tasks becoming more automated within escrow?
0: It has to, just yeah. because the amount of um, regulation and the amount of process to what we do has increased so dramatically. Mm-hmm. Uh, because every year you learn something new, the industry learns something new. We have to put new things in place to protect consumers or to, to better guard them or to better inform them. So, eat, with each one of those things, adds more work, so we have to be able to have it to where it's automated. Otherwise, mm-hmm. we won't be able to do what we do currently.
1: Yeah, and it is – I think it's scary when the technology first comes out because there's a lot of bugs and things. But then secondly, I, I mean you still have human error to deal with right. too. So some of that automation could be really good, I mean just for things that are easily measurable.
0: Oh, it that, yeah, every aspect of, the, of it, but change, that's the one thing that's inevitable in life, but nobody really loves it.
1: Yeah, because so. what I noticed too is like some of the best escrow officers, I mean, that are really busy, they either have to have a really big team mm-hmm. to help out or they're just like nonstop, like it never oh, yeah. sleeps. I mean, some of our escrow officers we're talking to on nights, weekends, oh, they're making things happen because like you it's said, that volume, that good, how do you get it, through yeah. it all?
0: Yeah, you have to. Yeah, they have to.
1: And there's so many kind of emergencies that happen, like these last-minute closings and everybody's in a rush and it's a fire drill. Yep. Yeah, they kind of like have to deal with all that.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's a full-time job.
1: Yeah. On the entrepreneurial side, I guess Kenny and I were like – I've heard a little bit about how you built the business of escrow and how you kind of came to be. There's some – cool things that you and I have even talked about, but, like, I kind of just want to talk about your strategy and your process for growing because you make it sound really easy when we were talking earlier about how you grew so fast, but there was a lot of strategy and planning that went behind that. Um, How did you kind of, like, build your team and create the strategy that allowed you to kind of replicate Oakwood four other times for your five locations?
0: Step by step. Um, Sometimes you walk those steps. Sometimes you have to run them. Um, So once that momentum starts to pick up, that's when you're running. Even if you don't want to run, uh, timing might predict or or make it so that you have to run at that point. So really the culture was my biggest concern when we were growing, was making sure we held on to that culture. And that's been probably the hardest thing to do, Mm -hmm. is to make sure that as we grow from four people, 10 people, 20 people, 40, 50, 60, as you continue to grow that size, making sure that you still have that connection and you keep that culture, that's my biggest thing. And that's been my biggest struggle. And to be honest with you, there's a lot of work I still have to do on that front. And
1: Isn't it always?
0: Always. Yeah. Uh, but again, that goes back to the team, the team that we have and making sure we have the right team members and in the right position. So one of the biggest things that we do at Oakwood, and we we all know this and we all say it is, we've got to identify And recognize strengths and weaknesses, not as good or bad. The weakness isn't bad. It's just what is this team member's weakness and what is their strength? And don't have them doing a position that's their weakness. Right. We could have them doing a position that's their strength and then we can start to benefit from it. So we really work on identifying each other's strengths and weaknesses and then um, making sure we're doing our strengths.
1: Is there a specific process that you go through to do that?
0: And also, I've been looking into different processes. Yeah. And there's, there's so
1: many different people that do different things. There's tests
0: and there's yeah. online things. Yeah. And I know um, uh, there's a couple that I've heard of that are, are supposed to be really good, but I've not implemented like a test system. It's just more yeah. of like getting to know somebody and seeing what they're good yeah. at. Yeah. Okay, they're they're really good at, at meeting with people and talking with people, but they they really lack on the detail. Well, detail is really important. Yeah. <laughs> so let's put yeah. them in front of uh, you know going out and talking to the clients and meeting with them and explaining the paperwork, and we'll have this person who hates that but is really good with detail doing yeah. the detail work. And so just kind of yeah. identifying that and being honest with each other yeah. and asking, what's your strength and what's your weakness, almost on a monthly basis, especially when you're first getting to know them, uh, is very important
1: one thing that you told me about one time it's it's just stuck with me because it's something i want to do for my business but it's a huge um it takes a lot of time was the operations manual that you created
2: oh yeah like because everybody talks about that now and they're starting business yeah i mean
1: what made you decide to do that and how much time did you spend on it and how did it how Mm -hmm. did it help your business
0: I say that that's when we became a real company, in the sense of of being a, you know, a corporation. So Oakwood Escrow is a C corp, um, but it's when we when I sat down and actually created that, and we did that because of CFPB, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. They regulate the lenders that we work closely with, so the, the lenders have to make sure we comply with what they have to comply with. So it was very important to me that I showed our partners in the industry that we were going to do everything we could to match what they had to do. Um, So we decided to do an SSA 16 audit, SOC 1, SOC 2, which was looking back on it, I can't believe we did, but we did it. Um, And it was at that point of realizing exactly the policies and procedures we needed. Now, our industry, for me specifically, I didn't have something I could cut and paste that had already been created. So it was literally me sitting down and creating it from scratch and pulling from different people that I know in the industry that could offer guidance and, and obviously a lot of our law uh, connections, our, our attorneys that we work with mm-hmm. were able to suggest a lot of uh, verbiage and, and things of that nature. But putting the entire policies and procedures uh, package together created those systems, and it was it created the framework that supports the growth that we've had. Because with those, I've got something I can reference. And if it doesn't, and we can change it, and it's changed, you know, we'll do updates to it, and it'll change mm-hmm. throughout because it's a living organism. But it creates that framework that we build everything on. And that's very important, that foundation. And we had operated for two, three years without it, and we – Obviously, we're growing and doing well. But once we had all of those firmly in place – and I'm talking about down to my new details then No, no. You operations. tell me like
2: how to change the paper and yeah, the every, copy yeah, machine. Yeah. They, you had to do that for them, right? They needed the audit. We did every – yes. I <laughs> got yeah. a little overboard yeah, on some yeah. things.
0: But we did. We went into that That's kind of funny. detail because I wanted there to be a reference point so that if somebody was wondering how it's they difference. should, we kind of had a standard or a process to it.
1: I think that probably the majority of small to even medium-sized businesses probably don't have that. And they, they have don't. probably been in business for a really, really long time. How long did it take you to put that together? Uh,
0: was, it took me, oh, I'd say, six to eight months to put it together. I mean, wow. like you were working like crazy hours. That it time, was right? – well, so I still had to run the company obviously. Yeah. But then – at night I would work on these and we have a big dining room table. And I had that entire dining room table filled with different piles of different things. I was working on a very (laughs) large table. (laughs) It's a large table. I know from
1: personal trying to (laughs)
0: keep it all, trying to keep it all together was, was the hardest part. And then we, then I had to worry because we were being audited on it. So it wasn't just writing it for us. And then like, Oh, I like that. That's good. I then had to get it approved by an an independent auditing firm who tore it apart. Um, but in a good way, um, a, and ultimately, we came to the final, the final one, and that's the one we were graded on. And How so big is it? It's just curious. Well, it's multiple policies and multiple okay. procedures, okay. so we have a policy so for So like hundreds a, and hundreds of pages, hundreds and hundreds of yeah. pages, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, hundreds and hundreds yeah. of pages. No, it's crazy.
1: Yeah. Like that, that is like he
2: volunteered. You vol you. You paid a company and volunteered to be audited and go yes. through this process. But that's a yes.
1: Goliath of a task to take on too because you it's not like so easy to just hire someone to do those things because nobody knows how you're going to run your company.
0: And we looked into hiring people. And, yeah. And we went through probably three or four different people. And just in the process of trying to interview them and explain what I needed, I realized – I can't teach I you to this. Do this. I, I'm going to have to do this.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, because it's e- like an email policy, uh, cell phone policy, and an s- email on your cell phone policy. Yeah. After work, using your cell phone for work, uh, information <laughs> about people on your cell phone outside of the office. of these <laughs> things, my gosh. Because we're dealing with people's personal information. Yeah. yeah. And it's very it's, confidential. It's we have yeah. to make sure that we keep it confidential. So what kind of security does the phone have? Then writing the security requirements for phone uh, Computer, laptop, home computer, if they access at all the network through home, all kinds of different policies.
1: Wow. And then centers. like you said, you put it through an audit, which nobody ever signs yeah. up to audit themselves. Yeah, no, for us. Yeah. Did, yeah. Not, and it's that's... also not cheap to audit yourself either on top no. of time. it. So it's like a huge time investment, like a financial investment. Right. And then you Stress. had to – Create all this homework for yourself of these hundreds of pages of yeah. your operations
0: yeah, I, manual. A few times I thought it was crazy. Wow, <laughs> you're like, why did I do this? But it, it, the hindsight, yeah. it was everything.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. I think usually some of the most challenging things are probably the best things to yeah. do. But it's, it's like one of those things I've wanted to do too. But you're just like, you're not if you're not forced really to do you know. it. Which I guess is the reason for the audit. Um, I wanted to go back a little bit to your culture because we've been to not all of your locations but Mm -hmm. a handful of them. And for us, like, the minute I walk in, it's like – it does not feel like an escrow office at all. No. So how did you come up with that idea? Because I know that I've been to a couple of your escrow offices and for one, like – there's like every like goodie or like <laughs> snack or thing. Was in that like- your
2: idea too? Yeah, I love chocolate. Was that your idea to yeah. <laughs> like, was that like was that your idea to like design it, it that way? Yes. Yeah. yeah but absolutely. it's like
1: in these cute little jars and you have like these
0: no, living room areas
1: also. and like phone boxes and <laughs> bar kinda of like bar looking things, but you know, snacks and stuff. How did you come up with that idea and like how has it like what is, how has it been t- like received by all of your clients?
0: It's a good question. Yeah. Yeah. So being in the title business before opening up Oakwood, I was in a lot of different escrow ed- offices and having bought and sold homes in the past i personally have been in for signings and the experience i used to remember was you go into a signing room and they'd literally have file boxes stacked with old yeah, yeah. Files, <laughs> which looking back on it is amazing because your social security numbers are in there your credit card numbers are in there all your financial information are in those boxes and i'm sitting next to it and that was the way it used to be done um i'd be shocked if anybody's still doing it that way certainly we're not but We'd go in, and it was just this horrible feeling, and it was already a stressful process. So, I'm going back to me as person. like an interrogation so
1: room, kind of, I feel like. Really it's just sterile. Boring yeah. sale
2: offices. They're not, yeah. they
0: haven't been upgraded in 20 years. It's like, yeah. And after we bought our last home, um, our current home, I said, you know, this is just. It, it was a wonderful experience in the sense that we got the house we wanted and we, it worked out we were through it and but we were in there signing all of the paperwork and it just it didn't feel joyous
1: celebratory not at all yeah <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah
0: and so i thought well this can be done differently, and that was one of the reasons why I thought maybe we should op- Let's. – I'm going to do this. I'm going to open up uh, an escrow company, and we're going to make it different, and we're going to create an atmosphere with the consumer that when they come in, it feels like a home. Maybe not their home, but our home, and so that they feel that they're in somebody's home when they're signing their paperwork and doing that last stage, and hopefully it will bring a joy that when they leave, they're like, oh, that was – it just adds to the experience instead mm-hmm. of subtracting to it.
2: I mean, I have people go there and sign, they're like, hey, have you been to that escrow office? That <laughs> thing is ridiculous. It's the nicest thing. And they're like, usually they're dumps. It's like, whatever. But yeah, well, I mean, that's a good ref- That's That's what you wanted. That's the that's reaction want. you wanted. Yeah.
1: I think a lot of escrow offices don't see the value in that. And so they're thinking, like, well, if they want to spend all that money to make those places nice, like, how. Has it really helped you in building your business? And can you talk about that a little bit?
0: I don't know if I can tie a specific dollar yeah, amount. Yeah, not a
1: specific dollar amount. Profit, but yeah, yeah.
0: I, I'd say it's helped us in the sense that we do get a lot of that feedback from the – Maybe your brand. From the brand. From the brand. Yeah. For the brand. Yeah. It definitely helps the yeah. brand. It, from the consumer standpoint, we get so much positive feedback because they like the environment that it has paid dividends. And I know that filters back to the agents and the lenders and to the, to the community. Because they get a call. I get a call. And they, it's like, hey, it always feels good when you ref, you're using a company, you refer them. They go in there and sign like,
2: that place is nice. They're very professional. That's what we yeah. want. That's what right. you want. Yeah. yeah.
0: So we're yeah. hoping that we're, we're putting our best foot forward and, and reflecting those that have trusted us uh, as best as we possibly can. And that's where I think we get our largest benefit from it.
1: Yeah, and I think it's such a smart idea because I think, too, like in this day and age with social media and about how everybody wants something that looks pretty and that's like styled really well. Like everything's all about aesthetics right now and that kind of like feeling that you get. Yeah, um that I, I feel like title and escrow felt excluded from that. <laughs> and it's. I think we all have to step it up. It's funny because people walk into our office. Your office
0: is beautiful, by the way. I Thank you.
1: It. And we had so much fun with it. But we've had other people go like, man, I really need to do uh,
0: Also for yeah. us, for, for our team, we live there. I mean, we spend more that's time sometimes the other in the office than we said. do at home.
1: Sometimes, we, we, like always. Oh, no. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: No, I – So it has to be – it's it's our home. It's an yeah. environment. It's our yeah. environment. I mean, it's not just work. It's, it, it, it's our home. Yeah. And that's important to – to yeah. keep in mind, when for us and for our consumers and our clients that we work with, um, and so it matters. Environment matters.
1: Yeah, and that fits kind of into the culture that you were talking about too. You can't really create yeah, a great culture if you don't have a great space to. I think it's have tough. That culture. It's
2: like if you live in a place you don't like or it's kind of dumpy. I feel like that's your mood. If you live in a place you love and you can make it your own, it changes your mindset. Yeah. It really does. Yeah. What do you think um, through the process? What's probably been like the biggest challenge or obstacle like growing this
0: company keeping the culture making sure that's that it. I don't lose focus of why I started it and what the the focus is and that we all that we keep that culture as we bring on more and more people that are, are coming from because everybody's coming it's, from a different it's the environment big. That's a different is, culture and so getting them in into oakwood and then um, kind of staying that same family environment and respect level that's that's my main focus what's been the biggest reward? Seeing that it's working, yeah, seeing that we are able to achieve that same culture and, we're, and um, bringing in people that might have been at a company where it was the exact opposite and that's what they've always been involved in and have always lived with and that's just been their norm coming into our environment and then slowly starting to see them change. And uh, it, it, there's a physical change to it that occurs with some people, and that's, that's a big reward for me.
2: What do you think the biggest um – you personally, maybe you and Aaron both, but you personally going through and building this company
0: from now to then, what do you think the biggest personal change has been for you through time? Just the amount of time that it takes. I'd, if you've never started a company and, and been the owner of a company, it's hard to fully explain. Just you never stop thinking about it. You never are off. It's your baby. It's your baby. Yeah. and every little thing you worry about to down I mean just every little thing can affect it and change is something that's always happening and it can turn on a dime and so you're just constantly thinking about ways of growth uh, changes that have occurred in law uh, employment law or HR things that have to come up you have to change uh, implement just you're always thinking about it so you're always working you're always trying to strive and, and then our team members have lives that occur and that, that, affects, and then they'll be affected by something that's happened in their life and that, you know, they're close to me. And so that affects, you know, emotionally as well. And so you just have a, a lot of turmoil going on and it takes a lot of time that that's the, probably the, the number one thing is if you can learn to manage that effectively, which I'm still trying to, to do, um, then you can, you can have fun with it and, and really grow from it. But it, there's a lot of work that, that is taken and long hours. How do you,
2: um, like For somebody that might be listening that, you know, wants to start a business or escrow on that point, Mm -hmm. um, I mean, Crystal and I, you can sit there until you've done a company, you've done through this whole thing. It's really – until you've done it, it's like you can't really describe it. But, but, yeah, but how do you – when you have one location, you have five locations, it just doesn't stop in your mind. It's just – it's always going, how do you deal with that just as being a CEO and leader in a company? Like, you know, you got to deal with fires and personalities Mm -hmm. and everything. Like, how do you keep – you're calm and the smooth Jason that I know. Because obviously, like some days, I'm sure I know there's days you deal with problems and you're like, "Holy smokes!" And it hasn't been an easy road for
0: you with a lot of stuff. It, it's been a le- it's been a learning experience for sure. I think what I do uh, is I treat each situation. I've kind of come to a realization of that no good and no bad yeah. uh, philosophy of what I've, I go back to because you don't know what the end result's going to be yet. So, I try not to put emotion into what seems like a negative situation. I, I put. Effort and time into resolving the issue, but without any emotional or or putting a label on it, so to speak. So I don't label it as negative. Mm -hmm. I just, it's my job. Okay, this is what I now have to focus on. And I, I try to treat it like that. Also, a little bit of time blocking in the sense of, your mind will automatically – your mind wants to solve problems. Mind does anyway. So it wants to work on different things. And so it will – even in watching television, a problem will pop in and it will start to try to solve the problem. It's consciously trying to keep things out at times when you should be present for other things is important. And so learning how to do that has been a big uh, – uh, Goal of mine and, and something I work on constantly.
1: I love what you said about like not putting a label on things and like keeping the emotion out of it because I think, I mean, it's, it's something tough. that everybody struggles it's with tough. at times. It tough. It's
0: I tough. I do. That is a good way to.
2: That's a good really way to cool. think about it because. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that is something that it's like, I, I mean, I even struggle with, but yeah, that's just, that's, that's, I think that's a battle for anybody that's like in a position where you have stress and, Especially you Especially know, when you
1: really care about something, though. because yeah.
2: really when it's stressful, basically yeah. at you, like, okay, let's see how yeah. get does really cool. this. Yeah, but that's really cool.
1: I like that. That's yeah. a good nugget there. Mm-hmm. What do
2: you think, if you, if you had to go back um, to June 2012, 2012 I, was, I thought it was a, what are the
0: one or two or three things you'd probably do differently now that you're here? Hindsight's always that wonderful. That in, in law enforcement, we called it Monday Night Quarterback. It's very hard <laughs> to, to look back because now you have all the answers. So obviously starting something is, is difficult um, when you don't have that information of hindsight. But having it, I would say uh, knowing who you're getting involved with is very important. Okay. Um, having the correct foundation is very important. Okay. Um, and setting that foundation to support the growth that you have planned and having a plan. Uh, those three things are probably the main uh, things that I, w- going back, would have told myself to do a little bit more, uh, spend a little bit more time on.
1: Yeah. Do you feel like people think too small when they're building that foundation? That seems- I think
0: they do. Yeah. Or they don't think enough about it. And right. a lot of that is, is you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And so you don't know, you don't even know what you don't it's hard to put a lot of things into it until you're in it. Yeah. It's that, it's the, the Mm -hmm. quote I like,
2: I forgot who it is, is where um, most people, I forgot who the leader guy is, John Maxwell. Yeah. It's the car lights. He said most people are scared to be an entrepreneur because the car lights only shine 300 feet ahead, Mm -hmm. but we got to go three miles. Yeah. So you're like, but I don't know what's in mile two, but you're like, I just got to. You just you got to deal with it. And most people are like, "That's too scary. I'll just take the nine to five job and get my W 2
0: and, and I get and it. To that point, I would probably not have started Oakwood if I had to start with the policies and procedures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <I guess. laughs> so I you're pretty. like, yeah. I'd never get. i have been done. like that. Yeah. I'm
2: not doing this.
1: Yeah. So, yeah.
2: So, What's right. the? Um, you know, this is this will be interesting. What's the biggest piece of advice you're going to give to somebody that wants to start a business, escrow business? You know maybe just even get into the real estate space or start any business that's an entrepreneur, like you going through this, like, where you're like, they sit down and go, Hey Jason, like I've got a couple of minutes. What would you probably tell somebody like, you know, your, your big advice your to advice, them? Yeah. My advice to somebody, somebody, somebody wants to start a business, maybe start a business. start a business. It could be escrow. It could be anything. Just they're like, Hey,
0: I want to start a business. You've done this for seven years. You've got to first look at the numbers. You've got to make sure that it's doable with what you have and what your capabilities are. So numbers are key. I mean, because you're bringing people are going to rely on you for their paycheck, for their salary, for making their college your kids' college payments, things of that nature. So knowing your numbers are very important. Um, also, understanding the industry is crucial. Um, having that's where I think I've also been able to um, excel in, in growing Oakwood is I I know the San Diego real estate marketplace, okay. and I I had some experience in it already, and that's the key, is knowing your industry and knowing where it's going. You don't want to get into an industry that that then, you know, when Ford started making cars and you're in the horse industry, you're in the <laughs> right. wrong industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So it's very important to know what the industry is about. So those two things. And also to make sure you, you know you can have fun with it, because if you're not having fun with it, you won't get very
1: What's hard. the point, you yeah. know? So if yeah. you
2: can go in a time machine and go back and you have a conversation with the uh, twenty-one-year-old Jason, what would you what would you tell yourself? Gosh, what is Jason, Jason old?
1: doing at twenty-one?
2: Well, you're 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 here, and you can oh, go back. Well. <laughs> what would you tell yourself? Like you
0: know, what would you tell yourself? Uh,
2: would you what would you what would that conversation look like now? All the stuff,
0: you know. Oh, well, that's an interesting uh, from a bi- purely a business standpoint. It could be life, business, life. whatever. Yeah, um, general. I think going back to the the uh, the no good, the no bad, just don't label things just uh and learn to be mindful more mindful at 21 i wasn't as mindful as i am now so i think that's a process that is developed again you've only got the headlights that reach so far but um yeah mindfulness is is probably one of the greatest i would have told myself to be more to learn to be mindful
1: very cool that's good
2: what's your um what's your why why when i say that like why do you work so hard? Why are you building this? Um, you know, you were at a, you had a position before where, you know, you're making good money probably. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but you just said, oh, I'm going to go over here and and work five times as hard and build this thing. But <laughs> always, I always, I always, there's a, when I know the why, I feel like it, it helps me understand, you know, somebody better.
0: That goes back to the, um, the third reason of the, you make sure you have fun with it. I, I look at it as a journey and it's part of the, um, just part of the experience of getting there, I, I really enjoy. So I, I left the challenge of, of law enforcement um, and did a few different things in that, and which were challenging and fun, and each one different. And then when I moved over to this, completely different. And then same thing within this industry is, is doing the different things. So in law enforcement, it was crime scene investigation, uh, short-stint investigations, um, per team members. So all different types of it, things within that industry. And then in this industry, this was kind of that next journey, that next step I wanted to take and and growth strategy. And it, to be honest with you, it's it's one of the most challenging uh, experiences I've ever had, but also one of the most fulfilling challenges I've ever had, okay. which has been really um, nice. That's awesome.
2: Um, so what's next? What's next for Jason and Oakwood, and what do you kind of see on the next
0: you know, 12, 24 months? Well, continuing with the culture, um, making sure that we're – Eighteen or nineteen. I want to see what it's going to be like. I have to see what the marketplace is going to be like. So the jury's out exactly on what Oakwood will be doing. Um, we'll, we'll still be around. We'll still be here. But I'm going to be very cautious because I have our, our entire team. I, I want to think it's about. Got to be it.
1: strategic. It's
0: very strategic. Yeah. yeah. And now, if the market goes like gangbusters, and all of a sudden uh, March and April and May, June, July, then you might explode. have ten locations. <laughs> um, we'll respond accordingly. <laughs> but if it if it doesn't, uh, then I need to make sure that. We're okay, and that we, and which we will be, uh, but I just have to make sure of that, so that I'm cautiously moving forward through. Got to take
1: care of your family.
0: You've got to take care of the family, yeah. Don't you think a lot of people are, uh, with the real estate market and
2: general economy, it, it's like people, you know, the the, the R word, the recession, where it's coming, mm-hmm. but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be for real estate because a lot of people could, if the, when it goes down a little bit, there's so many millennials and people on the sidelines, they get good rates good prices let 's go so it could be good for us, because um, I was reading an article from two thousand twenty three somebody's saying after the recession this economist from two thousand and twenty three to two thousand and thirty six that will be the boom of the millennial buyer of cars and housing and merchandise that's that's going to be when the millennial is going to be like fifth gear i'm making money i'm older I have a i've family. inherited money you, too, yeah this yeah. is yeah. when they're going to spend yeah this is when they're. that's going to be their big what years, years. 2023 <laughs> <jot> that down <laughs> 2023 to 2036 so okay. even if we hit a blimp here um you know it's just it's just interesting because everybody asks oh what's the market i'm sure they asked you and you're kind of like I just go. Fundamentally, we're not. There's, there's not the loans. There's not this big old crisis before. I mean, I know there's student and the market and all this, but it's just you know it's going to be interesting to see what happens. But everybody has to deal with the market on our industry. Title. All, everybody has to make moves, and sort sure, you're just
0: another you're just another company that has to deal with it and making moves. Yeah, change is inevitable. There's going to be change, constant change. That's one thing we know. Is absolutely going to happen, but yeah. what's going to happen with the economy? There's so many different things going on right now, and it's all—it's a bit of a guessing game. I read so many articles, and there's so many differing opinions that who's right? I—I I don't know.
1: I think we all know that we're just kind of at that time, like we've had a really good run. Yep, we and know that something's right. coming. You know, it's not feeling. if, it's just when, really. Yeah. Well, and, you and know, how people. extreme and in what, what areas are going to suffer the most. and
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's that gut feeling. And plus, yeah. it's historical. You watch trends that happen every Absolutely. seven or ten years, it looks like. And yep. it doesn't mean they have to repeat. But no. It certainly means they could repeat.
1: Historically, and... they've kind of repeated, though. Yeah, they've been so pretty it's consistent. So been, yeah, I mean, like, give or take a year or two yep. here or there. And, like, I think some industries are getting hit harder, like, you know, maybe it was you know it, the internet, the .dot com mm-hmm. thing, busted. You know, yeah. a couple recessions ago, and then this last recession was really tough for real estate. And who knows if but
2: the recovery is really good. You know, if it's
1: going to be a little softer for us this go around, or a little, right. you know. So, I think that's the the big question for all of us. We're all speculating yeah. over here. All so, speculating what's yeah. going to happen. Yep.
2: Cool. Well, Jade, thanks for coming on, sharing you your story, me. learning a little thank bit, thank bit more about you. Know. Thank appreciate you
0: very much the time. With, it was fun. Yeah. Thank cool. You.